This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Kelsey Waddell, Senior Editor of Healthcare Intelligence and Multimedia Manager for Extelligent Healthcare Media. Surprise billing occurs when a patient unknowingly receives care from a provider who is outside of the patient's network, leading to higher costs for the patient. The No Surprises Act was signed into law on December 27, 2020, as part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, as a way to protect patients from surprise billing. Payers and providers have been working towards preparing themselves for compliance ever since the bill passed. The Council for Affordable Quality Healthcare's Committee on Operating Rules for Information Exchange, or CAQH Core, has been releasing resources to assist with these efforts to comply with the No Surprise Act. The organization is well positioned to influence the push for no surprise billing since CAQH Core encompasses more than 120 CAQH Core participating organizations and health plans that participate in CAQH Core represent 75% of the insured U.S. population. Although HHS has delayed implementation of certain portions of the No Surprises Act, the efforts still remain pertinent and payers and providers continue to face challenges in reducing surprise billing. Today, Aaron Weber, Director of CORE at CAQH, is joining us to share how payers and providers can better prepare themselves to comply with the No Surprise Billing Act. Aaron has worked at CAQH in various capacities for nearly 12 years now. Prior to this position, she was a senior associate at PricewaterhouseCoopers and also worked at the advisory board company. So Erin, thank you so much for coming on to Healthcare Strategies today. Thanks so much for having me, Kelsey. So to start us off, just kind of high level, the No Surprises Act covers a lot of ground, but can you just share at a high level what some of those key elements are of the bill just so that we all start out on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. So the No Surprises Act is really focusing on reducing surprise billing for patients. It's something we've heard about in the news over and over again. There are countless horror stories that we've seen. And so Congress really is making an effort to help prevent this from happening to patients. The act specifically forbids patients from receiving surprise medical bills when seeking emergency services or certain services from out-of-network providers or out-of-network facilities. And it only holds patients accountable for what their equivalent in-network cost-sharing amounts might be and requires that the patient share can't exceed those in-network rates without the patient's consent. There's guidance in the act for how providers and insurers can negotiate reimbursement for those out-of-network services. And the area where CAQH Core has been most focused has been around requirements for providers to submit good faith estimates to payers around the charges for particular services or items, and that payers utilize those estimates to create and provide what they're calling an advanced explanation of benefits to their members. Some of the enforcement, I think you mentioned this, has been delayed related to the advanced explanation of benefits, but I think our conversation will highlight part of the reasons why, and and that is largely because there's not a lot of detail around how to implement some of these requirements yet, and it will be challenging for the industry. Yeah, and actually that segues great into our next question because I wanted to talk a little bit about those challenges and just ask what have been some of the challenges that payers and providers have been facing as they try to comply with these rules and in establishing a more uniform approach in general to reducing surprise billing? Yeah, absolutely. So right now there's no existing standards for exchanging this information. So If you think through this advanced EOB process, the way it would work is a patient could either schedule a service or item with their provider, 
or request the advanced EOB from their health plan. And so that process triggers basically the advanced EOB process where what CMS is terming the convening provider is responsible for gathering information about the charges. And I should also preface this with, there is still regulation coming out on this that has more details around the implementation. So some of what I'm saying are assumptions that the industry is starting to make based on the regulation that has come out so far. And some of it is in the act itself. But essentially, the provider is then responsible for sending estimated charges for the item or service to the health plan if the patient is insured. The health plan then takes that estimate. And one thing that's a bit unclear is whether or not the provider is responsible for gathering good faith estimates from other providers and facilities involved in the course of care. So if you think through um, a knee replacement, for example, you're going to have an anesthesiologist, you're going to have a surgeon, you're going to have a facility. So there's multiple components to that patient bill, essentially. That information needs to go over to the health plan, where the health plan then adjudicates it and creates this advanced EOB that they then send to the member. We have heard from provider organizations that they would also like to receive that advanced EOB so that everyone's on the same page around what those estimates might be, but that's not a requirement within the No Surprises Act. Um, the other scenario that is addressed in the No Surprises Act is for uninsured patients. So obviously for uninsured patients, there is not necessarily a role for the health plan. When an uninsured patient would schedule a service, the recent regulation has indicated that the provider will be responsible for gathering those good faith estimates across all of the providers and facilities involved in the service and sending a good faith estimate directly back to the uninsured or self-pay patient. So when you think through that workflow, there are components of it that can align with how billing and payment and eligibility for a patient when a service is scheduled happens now, but a lot of this is new workflow. For example, providers don't often communicate with each other about the charges related to a, an item of service that is inclusive of their work. So there's no existing standards for exchanging this information. And so organizations like CAQH Core and other standard setting organizations are coming together with industry participants to try to identify are there existing standards that could be updated or have some new business requirements added to them that could work to support these new information exchanges? Or do we need to look to something new? And that's really a critical part because if organizations implement these requirements differently or are using proprietary approaches, that's really going to just increase costs for the industry at large and probably not realize the benefits that Congress and the agencies really envisioned when they put forth these regulations. So that's probably the main challenge is really creating standardization around this for health plans in particular, and also providers re-engineering their current processes to meet these requirements will be difficult. They don't necessarily fit into the existing workflows and their systems aren't necessarily built to support it. So it will take some time. CMS has actually expressly asked for recommendations on transactions and workflows to help support the advanced DOB and good faith estimate requirements. So they're certainly looking for feedback from the industry as well. I think that's probably a good summary of the initial challenges being faced by the industry, but I think more will come out as more detail comes out from the regulators in terms of the requirements and as the industry digs into potential implementation requirements. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sounds like there's still a good deal of uncertainty that we have to work through. And so certainly it seems like some time will have to pass before we get 
through some of those. But in the meantime, I know that plans and providers still have to work towards this and sort of start that process. So I know CAQH Core has convened a advisory group in order to sort of help with those challenges and help navigate this space. So could you talk a little bit about what kind of organizations were involved in that advisory group and what the goals were when they started? Yeah, you shared some great information at the start of this discussion around our participating organizations. And what we typically do is bring together our participants via subgroups or work groups to develop operating rules or business rules, which are really requirements that sit on top of standards to create even more common expectations around how and when data is exchanged, particularly focused on administrative processes. So we think that the advanced EOB workflow really aligns nicely with some of the work that we have already done within CAQH Core. So in August, we launched an advisory group of core participating organizations, and we had about 30 organizations that joined that group, representative of provider organizations, health plans, vendors, clearinghouses, associations, and standard setting organizations, as well as government entities. And because these requirements are very new, and as I mentioned, there are not necessarily standards to support them yet, it's a little bit too soon for the industry to start thinking about developing operating rules. Um, But we do think giving some guidance to the industry and also to the regulators potentially on how some of these requirements can be met and standardized is really important to do as quickly as possible, given some of the timelines related to the requirements. So the work group came together and met three or four times over the course of three months to come to consensus on a set of recommendations to meet the good faith estimate exchange requirements between providers and payers. So within the advanced EOB workflow, there are multiple use cases, right? So how does the provider gather the good faith estimates from other providers? Then how does the provider send those estimates over to the health plan? And then how does the health plan send the advanced explanation of benefits to its members? Um, So there's multiple stages and we chose to focus first on that provider to payer exchange That's typically where our operating rules sit, so it's the area where our participants have the most expertise. And through a series of discussions and surveys completed by the group, we are able to come to consensus on a set of recommendations for a messaging standard, connectivity protocols, and the necessary data needed to support the exchange of those good faith estimates from the provider to the health plan. I would add to that that's the first use case that the group decided to address. We did a lot of surveying on additional use cases for consideration, and the group is meeting again to really decide where we want to head next. Excellent. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about um, sort of future goals as well. But just kind of digging a little bit deeper on these guidelines that CAQH Core came up with, could you just yeah sort of dig into what were some of the key takeaways that I know you listed a couple of those major points that the that the group addressed, but what were some of the overarching themes of that conversation that will really help advance efforts in reducing surprise billing? Yeah, absolutely. They were very interesting conversations. It it always is when you have the different stakeholders engaged together. I think probably that the first thing that was really obvious is that there's a lot of confusion around the requirements and how to implement them and that there is additional clarity needed from the regulators. And we're starting to see that as they're putting out interim final rules for comment related to the requirements. 
but there's also a lot of questions that still need to be answered in terms of expectations. And I think there's a little bit of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Should the industry make an assumption around what the regulators want to see or what the intent of the requirements are and address them? Or should the industry wait for additional guidance from the regulators? And so that was a natural tension within the group in terms of coming to agreement on potential recommendation. One area where there was clear consensus was that this is definitely an area where we should be focusing on standardization, that if we go down this proprietary route of using portals and potentially manual processes to exchange this information, it could potentially create a huge burden for the industry. Right now, the way the regulations read is that this applies to all services and items provided to a patient, not necessarily just a subset that may be higher cost or result in surprise billing. If you think about the number of appointments each provider is making every day, that's a lot of advanced DOBs potentially to be generated. So more clarity around what triggers and what is within scope for an advanced DOB would probably be very welcomed by the industry. And so there was a lot of consensus around those kind of outstanding questions, but also a need to provide feedback and guidance to the regulators around the value of standardization and the importance it will play in controlling costs, but also ensuring that the information patients and health plan members are receiving is consistent and standardized so that there isn't variation, you know, between me as a patient and, you know, my next door neighbor, and we're getting totally different advanced DOBs, that wouldn't make sense for the industry. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing that stood out to me as I was glancing through the the guidance was the strong presence of interoperability throughout all of this, which is natural as a need for exchanging information is potentially creating new workflows. And so I was just curious if there's a way to align efforts towards interoperability and these efforts towards reducing surprise billing, if you see those as connected and what recommendations you would have for aligning those two strategies. Yeah, absolutely. First, let me touch on the recommendations that came out of the advisory group for that good faith estimate exchange between the providers and payers. And I think that leads into the interoperability discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, the first recommendation was around the messaging standard and using a version of the claim transaction that includes that predetermination information that can be used to generate an advanced EOB. So the advisory group believed that there was a standard transaction available to support this information exchange using the X12 claim transaction, potentially the predetermination version. The group also considered HL7 Fire as a strong option, and we know that there is work being done to build an implementation guide to support that information exchange using Fire as well. From a connectivity method perspective, there is a standard core connectivity option that industry has been using for many years to exchange the standard administrative transactions like eligibility and benefits that could be an easy way to connect for these transactions as well. And of course, HL7 FIRE APIs would support a FIRE exchange. And then uniform data content, the group identified four data groups and associated data elements that would be essential to include within a message standard to meet all of the good faith estimate requirements. So so that's what came out of the group. As you take those recommendations and think more broadly about where the industry is in terms of interoperability, all of these, again, are new exchanges, which will take time and effort 
from the industry. And I think what everyone has been thinking about from an interoperability perspective is let's not build something new for every single interoperability requirement that's coming across the industry. How can we leverage what already exists and build on it or adjust it to meet a particular use case? So I think that's probably the common thread that can be applied to this advanced explanation of benefits scenario also. You know, we are talking about using existing X12 standards, potentially building on new uses for fire, which is the same thing the industry is thinking about for other use cases like fire authorization and similar topics related to interoperability. Thank you. Yeah. Kind of looking to the future, what are some of the next steps for CAQH? I think you you touched on this a little bit ago, just saying that there will be more steps in this area. What are you looking at in terms of how CAQH plans continue to tackle surprise billing towards the end of this year and even into 2022? Yeah. So the CAQH core participants at the next advisory group meeting will discuss some of the other use cases that they had prioritized through their prior work. And those included Uh, potentially developing recommendations for a comprehensive advanced EOB data set. So what are the specific data elements that a member would need to receive from a health plan to fully understand what their costs may be for a particular service that also meets the requirements within the regulations and the No Surprises Act? So creating consistency, and that goes back to the example I gave of wanting to get the same information as your neighbor, even if you have different health plans, so that you can fully understand the potential cost of your services. The other area that I think will require a lot of work is the provider exchange of expected charges. It's been clear that providers will be responsible for gathering that information, the convening provider from the co-provider organizations for that self-pay and uninsured scenario. We haven't gotten enough detail yet to know for certain whether that's going to be the same process for gathering information to send a good faith estimate to the payer, although many think that that probably will be the case. But that whole process is a very new workflow, and providers are skeptical of exchanging that type of charge information with each other. And so we've done some initial work talking with some of the EHR and practice management system vendors. Many of them feel like for providers that are using the same system, this might be a relatively easy process. But when you have providers on two distinct platforms, it's going to require some new build and some new workflows. So that's another area where our advisory group is talking about potentially conducting an environmental scan just to learn more about what the potential options might be there and and what are the challenges. Thank you. Yeah. So I know that CAQH has a lot going on. For anyone who is interested in learning more about CAQH's work in regards to helping prepare organizations for surprise billing and for reducing surprise billing, where would you recommend that they look for more information about that? The first place to look for more information is on our website. We have a resource library that includes all of our white papers and guidance documents, and that's where this guidance document from the advisory group is located. So if if you're interested in reading that, that would be the first place to go. And then we would encourage you to get involved both with the work that CORE is doing and the other standard setting organizations across the industry to make sure that your organization has a voice in how these requirements are going to be implemented by the industry in a thoughtful and meaningful way. I think, you know, there's sort of the short-term goal of just 
meeting the requirements and being in compliance. But I think there's a bigger picture opportunity here for organizations to rethink how they're exchanging information to build on their other interoperability investments. And really, you know, in talking to others in the industry, a lot of folks think that this is one way for the regulators to potentially start pushing the industry to rethink our payment system. Because when you are paying for all of these services kind of on a one-off basis, that's what's making the gathering of the good faith estimates such a challenge. But when you think about things like episode of care bundles or more value-based care type programs, that would make it much easier potentially to give patients an, an estimate of cost. So it, it is in some ways a subtle nudge to rethink how we do things today. So I would say anyone interested in getting involved should reach out to us. My email address is eweber, E-W-E-B-E-R, at caqh.org. And I'm happy to chat with anyone about the work that we're doing. Great. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for coming on today. This has been very illuminating, both about the you know current state that we're in, but also looking to the future, how we can be moving forward in this really important area. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at kwadil at extelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any health industry related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. And if you liked this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.